Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to episode 372 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... Daryl, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm very, very well, thank you. So, uh, what have you been up to the last few weeks? Okay, so I have prepared in depth this time. Because anyone who's ever heard me come on here, I always forget actor names. It drives me mad. <laughs> so I've got notes. So, the first thing I've been watching through Paramount Plus is La Brea. Yes! People who know, they know that me and Dave like out there shows. <laughs> and La Brea is challenging to be in the top three alongside such notable shows as Under the Dome and Zoo. Yes! And it's set in modern day LA. And we see a traffic jam and then a massive sinkhole massively opens up in Los Angeles and it separates a family and they sort of fall down and find themselves in this strange new world Mm -hmm. which I think after the first two episodes we sort of get inkling that it's in the past the very very far past back in primeval times so we see uh, the members of that family along with a couple dozen other survivors and obviously have to stay together and figure how to stay alive and we see it from both in the past and in the present where we see the government get involved as well as something as a strange link between the family of one of the survivors. Mm -hmm. And so we've had season one, which you can just go and binge out on Paramount+. Plus. And at the moment, we've got a bit of season two. Yes. And so I sat down and watched episodes one to four. Yeah, it was going full ball crazy. It's getting even <laughs> it more confusing and convoluted yep. and time traveling. Yes. Which is exactly what we're looking for. Yeah, it's wonderful, that show. I love that series. It's bonkers and silly. And yes, Under the Dome and Zoo are the great comparisons f- yeah. for it because it's that sort of level of very of silliness. But it's one of those things you've just got to go, okay, so this is happening. You've just got to roll with it. It's fine. <laughs> so the people who you might recognise are probably Ian Mackin, who yeah. you might know from Merlin, if you're in the UK. Yeah. And he was um, Sir Gawain. And for the US fans, you might remember from Night Shift, which is one of those medical dramas. Yes. And Natalie Zia would be the second person you would recognise. She was in Justified. I think it's coming back, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah, so she's a big part of that. And she was also in The Following, which was pretty near bonkers as well in its time. Yeah, yeah, no, But it just was. didn't last as long. Yeah. Otherwise, I think it would have been up in the top three. Yes. Because it was good and bonkers as well. And so, yeah, it's fun. It's kooky. I mean, there is like a idea going on and people like it. It's what we call a summer show. So it's just shows that go off in the summer mm-hmm. where generally things are either put to die or things that people won't generally watch, where the big push is from the autumn to the spring. Yeah. But it's pretty good, especially season one. I've seen all season one. So it's got quite a lot of interesting little special effects bits and big set pieces, mm-hmm. which you might not expect to see. Yeah. Definitely worth a watch. And as you can watch all of it, I would yeah, I would definitely advise watching a decent chunk of it. So maybe watching two or three episodes. Yeah. It's not week to week. <laughs> I don't think it works really as a week to week. No. It's because of how weird it is and you don't want to think too much about the, those storylines, to be honest. Yes. I Things mean, start I, coming apart if you look at it too hard. Yeah, I found myself kind of binging through it because they dropped them as, I think, as box sets on Paramount Plus over here. It's a weird one as well because it's an NBC show in the US and for some reason it's on Paramount Plus over here. I, they've, they've brought it in. I don't know whether it was them trading shows or something with Sky it, or... 
Was I, it was it maybe from CBS Studios and they no, just and it, Mr. MBS bought it or it, NBC bought it? No, it's not. One of the production companies is Universal Television. So okay, yeah, <laughs> so it, it's really bizarre that it's ended up on Paramount Plus, which is owned by yeah, well, Paramount owns CBS, and so it's weird. And NBC is a sister company of Sky, so we all assumed it was going to go off on Sky, and then suddenly it turned up on Paramount Plus. So you know, I'm fine as long as it's airing somewhere. I don't mind. Nick Gonzalez is somebody else that people might oh, recognise yeah, who yeah, was yeah, in the. Good Wood, Doctor and uh, John Sader, who was in uh, Chicago, Chicago PD. PD. Yeah, so I, there's a few sort of faces that crop up in that that you go, oh yeah, I recognise them from somewhere. But yeah, it's a wonderfully silly, bonkers show that is, is just great fun to binge through. I had really enjoyed first season. It, we're halfway through the second season at the moment because they they chop it in half as they do with some shows in the US. So we're waiting for the second half to go out and then we'll get the second half as well. But yes, La Brea, well worth watching. And the next thing I watched was Ant-Man the Wasp Quantumania. Yes. I had my ticket booked on the Friday, more out of a sense of obligation than anything else. So Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne, along with Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, explore the quantum realm where they interact with strange creatures and embark on an adventure that goes beyond the limits of what they thought was possible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> so as for a film by itself, it was fine. It reads be interesting, but I think the problem comes when it's when you look at it as part of the MCU, and that's what it is. There's no getting away from that. Yeah. Not for Majors, who stars as Kang. It's excellent. Yes. I love every second he's on screen. Mm-hmm. But the film didn't really know where to go. And because it's the MCU, and because it's sort of like, this is the start of phase five, it has a lot of expectation on it. Mm-hmm. And because it's a bit of a self-contained adventure, it's a bit weird. It's a very strange thing to sort of watch as you go through. Mm-hmm. Following Scott is interesting. And like seeing Scott and his daughter's relationship, that was great. Yeah. But like, Hope has nothing to do in this film. Film. Right. It's like, is she even there? It's a bit of a shame, really, after taking the onus from the second one to go, this is Ant Man and the Wasp. Yes. And talking more about the relationship in that, even though I haven't seen that one. It's a shame to have her there almost as an afterthought. Yeah. I guess the problem is that you called the second one Ant Man and the Wasp. It's very difficult then to do the third one as just an Ant Man movie yeah. without upsetting a lot of people going, well, why is the Wasp was not in it so you sort of got to put her in it but if you don't know what to do with yeah, her well, in the story yeah, I, do mean, yeah. I mean obviously keep her in but that's, that's the point she is there in the same way that when you have the beginning of Captain America you know Sam's always going to be there and yes. he's going to be doing stuff that's the same thing for Ant-Man the Wasp but unfortunately I think having Scott there, having his daughter there, having to learn about why Kang was there, and so spending so much time with Janet, yeah, this wasn't enough space for everybody and everything that had to be in there. Yes. And I think that was just the problem with the film in general. Yeah, it sort of sounds like it should have been sort of Ant-Man Quantumania or Ant-Man and the Wasp and Hank Pym <laughs> and Cassie, <laughs> you know, because yeah. she isn't serving kind yeah. of equal, equal billing, yeah. During more research now, I can see that this is sort of like where a lot of those things about special effects being rushed and things. Uh, there's lots of talk about yes. large fight scenes being removed from this film because they couldn't get them done on time. Yeah. Which obviously makes you wonder about what you could have seen and what you could see. Well, yeah. I mean, part of them slowing down the releases has been the fact that it's absolutely crippling a lot of the effects houses because they literally can't get through everything. They've been really, really struggling. They're, you know, trying to get blood out of a stone was what one of the effects companies described it as and the turnaround on some of these things is for the amount of work has just been absolutely ridiculous and they just can't get it through it all I mean you look at even some of the TV shows they've got like you know eight nine ten effects houses working on some of these Marvel TV shows to try and get all the work through so you can imagine for a movie it's also gonna be ridiculously difficult to get all this stuff done and they're just isn't the capacity to be able to do it, which I think is one of the reasons why they've ended up having to slow down some of the releases to take some of the pressure off the, some of those effects companies because they just can't handle it. It's getting kind of insane out there for them. Yeah, it seems strange that you could have one studio cripple the special effects industry like yeah. this. I guess some of it obviously has to do with coming back from everything and maybe just some growing pains on that side of things. But we'll, well have yeah. to see. I think there is a certain amount 
amount of that. And I think you're dealing quite a lot with possibly more effects work as well, particularly with some of the COVID shot protocol stuff as well, because they're having, you know, they were having mm-hmm. to do things in certain ways. So there's probably more stuff that need fixing and effects, which you don't see, regardless of the sort of big obvious effects that you do see. So I think there was possibly a certain amount of that which added pressure on. And it's just there's so much effects work out there because the effects work in TV has gone up. There are more movies coming out. Disney as a whole, a lot of stuff going through there. But then you've got every other TV network out there that's still got effects stuff that needs to go on. It's just, it's an industry that's booming at the moment and they just can't turn things around quick enough. Yeah, so it's an okay start to the new thing. We'll have to see what's next, which I think, is it the TV series of Secret Invasion next? No, Guardians is next. 5th of May is the next one, I think. Then Secret Invasion, then Loki, and then Marvels. Yeah, obviously with Marvels being pushed back quite significantly. But anyway, I certainly will bash them from uh, moving things back, give it all the time it needs. Yes, I'd rather they did that than underwork things, you know? Yeah, so yeah, that was my Ant-Man the Wasp. But it was quite busy. It's nice to see like everyone coming down to my little cinema here at Clacton. Yeah, um, good. With our cheap, cheap, good prices. Yeah. Decent screen. So that was pretty fun. So the next thing I just happened to find while I was doing some research for an interview. This is a little show called Spiral, the web series, which you can currently see on Facebook. It was released back in 2017, and it is a web series, or you could call it a short movie, because it's about an hour, but it's chopped up into seven um, ah, chapters. Right. Okay. And it has some young, talented actors. Ones you might recognize would be Cody Kearsling from Riverdale, and he plays Moose. Ah. You might recognize Louisa Tronco. She played Gabrielle in The Order. Right. Enuka Okuma. She was in Impulse, that YouTube premium series, and also in Rookie Blue. Uh, basically, it follows students at King's College discover that friendship, like karma, is forever, and everything that goes around comes around. It's Saturday, Canadian College. We follow this group of students living in a house near campus. And the protagonist, we find out once we get into the first episode, has these dreams. Recurring dreams that she's had for quite some time. She had them when she was younger. And then I think apparently they sort of stopped for a while, but then they returned recently. And you see her in period gear. So you can tell it's probably like 1800s. Right. And she's chasing someone. You don't see who she chases. You know that she's chasing someone. Basically chases it into this church. You see this person turn around and say, it's all your fault before that person then kills themselves. Obviously, she wakes up screaming. And the sort of kick at the end is that at the end of the first episode, you find out that... The person who she sees in her dreams is the former flatmate of the people who she lives with. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's a very well shot and written teen drama with supernatural overtones. Yeah. Watched it in a space about two days. And it was just because I happened to be looking for things about Louisa Tronco because I was interviewing her for a film ah. um, called Drinkwater, which unfortunately doesn't have a UK distributor. Otherwise, I'd be talking about that within my weekly list. Well, yes, of course. So it was, yeah, fun. And you can watch it on Facebook. Unfortunately, that's all there is. The website has gone kaput. Probably not renewed. It's a fun thing. There's lots of twists and turns. Even though it ends on a cliffhanger. I mean, it's just an hour's investment. And it's quite entertaining for that hour. Okay, cool. It's one to look up. It's called Spiral. Yeah, but Spiral the web series because there are a lot, quite a lot of things called Spiral. <laughs> yes, yes. And a few true. of them are TV shows. So it'll yeah. by trying to narrow it down. Yes, cool. And the final thing is NCIS Hawaii. Yes. Which you can finally see because Disney Plus has sapped some of it on, which is interesting. Because yes. I just turned off my auto renewal for Disney Plus. <laughs> so I've just got a month to finish watching all the things that I should, like only murders in the building and things like that. Yes, you definitely need to watch that. That's a brilliant series. Yeah, but NCIS does what it says it can. Follow a team of naval criminal investigators stationed in Hawaii, led by um, Vanessa Lachey. It's pretty fun. It does stick somewhat to the NCIS formula, but it is a lot more diverse in terms of its cast yes. than those that have come before. Obviously, you do get to see the beauty of the islands you get to see hawaii which pretty much was i would say was half the reason people watch hawaii 5 mm-hmm. it's a good show solid the most well-known people is probably vanessa herself because she's well known for hosting a few things in the u.s mm-hmm. alongside her husband nick right yes. um alex tarant who does a lot of work 
both in the US and over in the Pacific. So he does things for New Zealand and Australian TV. So you might have seen him through those. And Tori Anderson, who you might have seen on Blind Spot ah. um, in a recurring role, the LA Complex, and a few other things. It's fun. I'm glad to see it's, it's sticking around. Obviously, we know that Los Angeles is wrapping up this season, and we will soon get a new one in the form of NCIS Sydney. Yes. But you know what you're getting. You're sitting down, you're going to watch a case a week, which will inevitably end in gunplay and lots of quips. But yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Oh, it's got uh, Enver Joverkey in it yeah. as well. Yes. From um, Agents of Shield. Agents of Shield, Dollhouse. And Dollhouse. Popped up in The Rookie and Emergence as well, that one season series that. Oh, yeah, of course. He was in that as well. Yes, he's Popped uh, up in MCM once. Yes, he did. You're right. Good cast for that. I've never really gone and watched any of the NCIS shows. I've watched Los Angeles. No, I, I, well, I watched a little bit of NCIS LA, but there's one sort of procedural thing that I never massively got into. It's like, I mean, I don't watch that many of those sort of long-running procedurals. You should always, when it comes to those sorts of things, you should pick your one or two really top ones. Yeah. Because long-running procedurals are just so popular by another name. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Because that's all they, could, all they could do is start playing with the character dynamics all the way through. And it, unless you really like the characters, that's going to drive you crazy. Yeah, exactly. CSI was the only one that I ever really kind of got into. And then, of course, most of that kind of ended. So mm-hmm. I, those are the only ones that I kind of watched quite a lot of in terms of those big multi-crossover things like the Chicago's or the FBI's or that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Because it is such a commitment when you start one of those because you do sort of start one and then you think, oh, well, there's a spin-off. I should watch that. And then it, it just balloons into these things where they, they're like the only thing you ever get oh, chance no, to I, watch. I so. always choose. I always choose. Look, what I go, okay, it's just one interesting on this one interesting and then just kept watching, which is why I used to watch CSI Miami and not watch Vegas because I didn't like Vegas. Right, okay. Miami, I thought was more interesting. Yeah. And you could watch New York from time to time, but it was a little bit too intense. Right. I enjoyed those, but I've never really kind of got into the NCIS once. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the uh, the new ones like, the Sydney one mm. is like. Indeed. when that drops this year apparently yes which given that they've not started shooting anything yet, it's impressive it's, it's impressive turnaround but I'm assuming there must be in pre-production already over on it so yes we'll see where that turns up because I, I mean I assume that's coming out in the um, uh, it'll be out for the autumn season over there I would. yeah you'd think so for me I have picked up a Netflix series called Lockwood and Co which was in development for years and years and years but finally came on it's from Joe Cornish, who, I mean, many people will know who Joe Cornish is, a sort of writer-director. He was a comedian for a while, but he's more a writer-director these days. And it's based on a series of books by Jonathan Stroud. It follows the plot of the first two books in the TV series. It follows a girl called Lucy Carlyle, played by Ruby Stokes who I think has popped up in Bridgerton. It's set in a world where ghosts are sort of out there in the world. There was an event that had ghosts appear as part of the world, and Mm -hmm. they discovered that children are sensitive to these ghosts. So start training them as ghost hunters. Yeah, and also to know that the ghosts are very, very much lethal. Yes, the ghosts are very, very violent. If you spend any time sort of staring directly at them, they can kind of lock you, what they call ghost locked, when it basically takes over your, your body and sort of freezes you. So that's the environment that you'll set up in it. And most of these corporate agencies that are these sort of ghost hunting agencies are run by adults, as you would expect, and the children are sort of employed and they go out with sort of adult supervision. There is a tiny little startup company called Lockwood & Co that is run by two teenage boys without any adult supervision. They're supposed to go through all these kind of training and stuff and Lockwood passed everything with flying colours and then sort of gone off and started this agency on his own. Lucy technically hadn't completed everything. She gets sent on this mission, which goes horribly wrong. She gets kicked out of the group that's in her local sort of area and ends up deciding to go to London and nobody will employ her. But Lockwood sees something in her and pulls her into this agency. So they ends mm. up with this sort of this young girl and these two guys. The, the third member is a, a character called George. He is sort of their research guy, but they've all got some sort of various different gifts some gifts the sort of you know gift of sight or being able to listen be able to control or manipulate things so there's there's various different sort of powers that the teenagers are gifted in various different things that's pretty much the setup for it and it's sort of following this group as they go ghost hunting essentially these three 
teens. It's eight episodes long, the first season. The first sort of four episodes follow this, the first book, and the second four follow the second book. Really, really solid. Great little show. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Casting's really good. Got some interesting people that pop up, like uh, Luke Treadaway pops up in there. Nigel Planer pops up in there as a guest role as well. Uh, Amanda Abington is in there. Good cast throughout. Really quite solid. Very, very enjoyable. If you like those sort of Netflix teen drama-y things, it is very much in that kind of mould. Really quite enjoyable. I I was kind of holding off watching it because you know what it's like with Netflix series. You don't know whether they're going to come back for a second season. Mm -hmm. And they leave some threads that they can pull on for the second season, certainly. And yes, it does. I don't want to say it ends on a cliffhanger. It ends on a mystery. I it's, a, it's a mild cliffhanger. Yeah, it's a mild cliffhanger. There's nothing that's going to have you gnashing your teeth. Yeah, exactly. It's not like a cliffhanger about, oh, what happens to them all? There is a mild cliffhanger at the end of it, but go and read the books. I'm sure the books tell you what happened next. Mm. There's been no word on it yet, whether it's going to be renewed or not. I hope it does, because I think it's it's really quite solid. And yes, there are a lot of these sort of teen drama things around these supernatural things, particularly on Netflix. You know, you've got things a like Shadow. They've got a lot of one-season ones. That is true. Um, you know, you've got Shadow and Bone coming back, and yeah. it's in that kind of vein, I guess, of, of that sort of teen kind of supernatural drama thing. But certainly solid. Definitely well worth going to check out first season is up on netflix right now as i say you can enjoy it as those eight episodes if it doesn't come back then you've enjoyed eight episodes of it if it does great because there are places they can go with it so yeah worth checking out lockwood and co certainly definitely worth watching yeah also on netflix outer banks is back for its third season i love this show it's another teen drama but as i've said before it's basically the goonies with a cast of a cw show it's a group of teens that get caught up in this treasure hunt for this pirate treasure and the third season you know obviously you've got to make things slightly bigger and bigger and bigger each season and uh it basically them looking for el dorado in the third season is is where they've got got to this time around so it's silly it's over the top it's utterly ridiculous but it's wonderful fun the writing's great the cast really bounce off each other really well it's action adventure way way better than it has any right to be and it's obviously going down well on netflix because in a mad rare move they actually renewed it for a fourth season and not saying a fourth and final season, they just said, we're giving it a full season. That's sort of almost unheard of for Netflix shows. So it's obviously doing decent numbers for them, which is great. You know, I mean, I'm nice to see they're actually sticking by some of their stuff anyway. Have you watched any of this? I've not watched any of season three. I'm currently on season two. Okay. But yes, it's a very good show. It goes a lot deeper into the sort of friendships than most ones would do. I mean, yeah. I think you could agree that Lockwood really barely scratches the surface of yes. the friendship between the two boys. Whereas I think you have a far greater understanding of what links the central Pogue friends yeah. in Outer Banks since season one. So I think that's probably one of the reasons that people really, really love it. And it's got a great cast and they are very, very very, very, very attractive, all of them. And yes. yeah, they just run around having fun. It's just like one long, crazy summer. Yes, it basically is. I mean, it is them running about, having fun. There's very little parental supervision in the whole thing. And they're traveling from island to island. They find themselves in the Caribbean. It's just, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's over the top. It's immense amounts of fun. I really enjoy spending time with that show. So season three is out now. But if you've not caught Out of Banks, go and watch it. It's just a great adventure show and if you like those sort of teen drama type stuff really really solid and really fun so definitely worth going to check out the other thing which i picked up this week was star trek prodigy which is the animated series from star trek the one that isn't lower decks which is uh, lower decks is very much 2d animation and very much an adult show prodigy is the one that was actually made for nickelodeon and hesitant to call it a kid show i mean it is a family show i would say yeah it's in the same kind of area i would think as something like jurassic park camp cretaceous in terms of the 
audience it's aimed at. It's not just aimed at the kids. It's aimed at a family audience, definitely, I think. I mean, there it is sort of kid skewed, but certainly in that sort of area. The basic setup for it is they start off on this prison planet where clearly the people that have been in prison there haven't actually done anything wrong. They're just sort of people that have been randomly kind of swept up and been in the wrong place at the wrong time and been sent to this prison planet by this local dictator, basically. You focus on one character who's called Dalry, who is this 17-year-old sort of maverick. He's kind of an unknown species and he's looking for various ways to get out. Through the first couple of episodes, they stumble across this spaceship that's in a mine that they're mining. It's called the USS Protostar. Him and a bunch of other people that he meets along the way basically escape on the ship and go off for adventures. It turns out the ship has a hologram on it and it's a hologram of Catherine Janeway, former captain of USS Voyager. I think they are actually in the Delta Quadrant and they need to make the way from the Delta Quadrant back to the Alpha Quadrant is sort of what they're doing. Although at the moment I'm about five episodes in and they're still kind of trying to figure out exactly kind of where they're going and what they're doing. But I picked it up because somebody posted on, I think it was Reddit, and sort of said, if you've been avoiding this show thinking it's a kid's show, don't. It's worth going to pick up and have a look because it, it takes... It takes a little while to get going, but it does start to get far more into mythology and standard sort of Star Trek stuff and becomes after the first few episodes where they've set up who all the characters are, because you've got Delria's this the 17-year-old Maverick, Gwendola, who is the daughter of the evil guy that's been kidnapping all the people that runs the prison planet. You've got Jankum Pog, who is this 16-year-old Tellerite who's a wizard with repairs. There is Zero, who is this non-corporeal being that's kind of built this um, metal sort of ball thing to contain itself. And uh, Rock, who is a huge rock creature, but is actually an eight-year-old girl. So has a sort of eight-year-old girl voice, but it's a really nice setup and sort of interesting mix of characters that they're playing with on the show. It's got lots of fun and adventure in it. It's actually got some quite big names in the cast. I mean, you've got Kate Mulgrew back as Catherine Janeway, but the diviner who is the father of Gwen and the person that runs the prison mm-hmm. is voiced by John Noble. And yeah. the uh, diviner's enforcer is voiced by Jimmy Simpson. You know from a whole bunch of different things. I mean, he was in that Black Mirror episode, USS Callister, interestingly enough. Breakout Kings, Jimmy Simpson? Yeah. Yes, he's popped up in House of Cards. He was in the newsroom. Westworld as well. Westworld's yeah. probably the biggest thing you'll know him from most recently. D. Bradley Baker does some voices in there, who is the voice of the clones in Star Wars. Um, Ella Purnell voices one of the characters. So there's some quite big names. Oh, Jamil Jamali is in there as well. Jason Alexander, David Diggs. Yeah, so there's there's some quite big names in there. To say, you've been avoiding it thinking, oh, it's just a kid's show. It will take a few episodes to, well, they kind of set up the characters and establish who everybody is. But certainly, if you've got kids, it is worth sitting down watching with them. And if you're an adult and you're a Star Trek fan and you've not been on your radar, it is worth giving it a look. It is quite enjoyable. I mean, you know, I've, I've been looking for something to put on while I'm like, you know, eating a meal or something, so I don't have to pay huge amounts of attention to it. And mm-hmm. the 20-minute episodes quite easily fills that gap. So it's quite useful for that as a sort of background thing. Are you up on any of the Star Trek things at the moment? I am still on the previous season of Picard at the beginning. Right. And I'm up to 11th years, I think. Okay. Oh, I haven't seen this or Lower Decks. Lower Decks is brilliant and well worth watching. Again, if you've avoided that because you think, oh, it's an animated series, it's a brilliant depiction of the Lower Decks of a starship. It does it so, so well with great humour and it is very very Trek. I mean, they've managed to walk that line between making it a comedy and also keeping it within Trek as well. It works brilliantly. I would urge you definitely to go and watch that. I mean, that one is definitely aimed at adults. I mean, that's not appropriate for children, but it is very, very funny and well worth going to check that one out as well. So that's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. So we kick off the TV and film news this week with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. A few things ending that they announced. Uh, Goldberg's coming to an end after 10 seasons, which I think we mentioned a few weeks ago that was likely going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, its numbers have been kind of going down and down and down and just got to the point, I think, where the numbers versus ratings just didn't balance. It's going to end with the 10th season, which I think is currently airing in the US, but they're still shooting it. So they know it's coming to an end and they will be able to end it. Succession is ending after four seasons as well. That was a creative decision. They have said that they weren't entirely sure how long they were going to keep going for it. And they sat down when they came to write the fourth season and decided that this was going to be the last one. That was definitely a creative decision because, I mean, that's a huge show. And I think they would have kept that around for longer if they thought it was worth going for longer. So there is a show called Soulmates, which was on AMC. It aired on Prime Video over here. That was originally renewed for a second season, but AMC have gone back on that and they've now canned it so uh, that won't be coming back and uh, Southside which was an HBO Max series that's been canned after I don't know how many seasons one or two seasons I think that one but I don't think that aired here Moving on to the renewals, the BBC has confirmed that Traitors will be renewed for a second season, which I don't think has come as a huge shock to anybody, given what a massive, massive hit that first season was. That's officially coming back with Claudia Winkleman at the helm again, so uh, that will be returning. The US version is also renewed as well, so both of those will be coming back. CBS renewed a whole bunch of things. So NCIS Hawaii is coming back, which I don't think is a huge shock. NCIS is coming back. So that's a 21st season for NCIS, third season for NCIS Hawaii. CSI Vegas also back for a third season, which its numbers were a lot lower. So I'm sort of surprised they're bringing that back, but I'm quite happy they are because I rather enjoy that show. So there are a few shows which haven't been renewed on CBS yet, which is Blue Bloods, which is on season 13, SWAT, which is on season six, and East New York, which is on its first season. Blue Bloods and SWAT are both in negotiations for renewal. It's just they're taking a bit longer because of the fact that they're old shows, particularly with Blue Bloods. As the show goes on longer, particularly if you've got a large ensemble cast, which both of those shows do, and the original cast in most cases is pretty much, that means the wage bill for those shows is going to be astronomically high for the numbers that it's getting. So they're looking at ways of negotiating deals to cut costs on those shows. The Cost cutting that CBS wanted on Blue Bloods were apparently quite deep, but they yeah, do. I suspect so. But they do think that they're going to be able to negotiate at least another season out of it. But it could be heading towards the end of the road for that because it is getting quite pricey to do. Same issue with SWAT, although slightly less so, but it is six seasons in and it's starting to get to that point, I think, where it's getting more expensive to make. That's the issue with those. The negotiations are just taking longer for those shows. East New York, that is very much on a bubble. So that could go either way. It will somewhat depend on what their mid-season shows are like and how they do and whether something comes in that they think could replace it. So you have to wait and see on that. East New York hasn't been sold over here. The other thing that Blue Bloods and SWAT have going for them is they sell very well internationally. So they can be moneymakers for CBS. So it's a case of just working out who gets what in terms of the finances when things get sold on and all that sort of stuff. So hopefully both of those shows will be back it's just they're not renewed yet but ncis hawaii and csi vegas are all back itv over in the uk have renewed karen peary for a second season which a lot of people seem very happy about that's another one of itv's many many crime drama procedurally things but apparently it went down quite well and it was quite well put together pretty much when i posted that all the comments have been very positive about it so uh, apparently it's one of the better ones but uh, that is coming back for a second season death in paradise over on the bbc has been renewed for two more seasons and two christmas specials that is not going anywhere which i don't think comes as a great surprise because that's been a huge, huge, massive hit for uh, the BBC. So uh, that will be back. When Calls the Heart has been renewed for an 11th season. That's by Hallmark. That was yep. on Netflix for a while. And Ooh. and then Hallmark launched the Hallmark channel over here as one of the additional ads yes, on Amazon. Amazon. And one of those things that you can pay like £5 or whatever it is to Amazon a month to get the Hallmark shows. And they took it back. So it's over on the Hallmark channel on Amazon now. The Rig has been renewed for a second season, which 
is that supernatural drama on Prime Video that starred Ian Glenn, Martin Comston and Emily Hampshire. I rather enjoyed the first season of this. It got a very mixed response, I think. I've been meaning to watch it because it sounds interesting. I kind of thought when it launched that it was just going to be sort of a one and done thing. It's going to be a limited series, but very much ends on a cliffhanger. So I'm, I'm rather glad that they are bringing it back because I was really quite surprised when you got that ending and you're like, oh, okay, it's not a one-off. So yeah, glad they've renewed that. Um, This is the thing that was set out in the North Sea and there's a group of rig workers that are about to get sent back home after doing their rotation and this big thick fog rolls in and basically traps them all on the rig and then weird stuff starts to happen. Calling it a supernatural drama, it isn't really a supernatural drama but there is that kind of eerie element to it. It's kind of a little bit horror-y, a little bit, you know, um, mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of Fortitude in that way, in that there is a sort of supernatural weirdness without it genuinely being supernatural. It's that sort of stuff. I had fun with that series. I know some people didn't, but yes, glad that's coming back with us, The Rig. And there was some news dropped today that The Night Manager, do you remember that show? 2016, yes. the one oh my with goodness, <laughs> yeah, it was with Tom Hiddleston in the lead, and that is rumored to be coming back for two more seasons in a deal between BBC and Amazon for Prime Video. So it'll be BBC in the UK and Amazon everywhere else. Ooh. But they are currently working on developing a second season of it, which I mean, there've been rumors on that for ages, literally since the first season came out. They've been talking about whether they were going to do a second season, but it looks like they may have booked it for two more seasons. Tom Hiddleston will be back for both of them. David Farr as well, who is the writer of the first season, will be back to write it as well. Note that has not been confirmed by the BBC or Amazon yet, but it looks like they're lining things up to shoot later this year. So it's yet to officially be greenlit, but it certainly is the closest we've come to it coming back. But uh, I could stand to see more Night Manager. I really enjoyed that show. Pretty good. I guess they're going to probably look to probably film those pretty near to each other if they are going to get two seasons. I suspect that will be the case. It was a shorter run anyway, because it was only like six episodes. So yes, I think you're probably right. If they are going to get two seasons out of it, they'll probably try and shoot them back to back. Over in other bits of news, Stephen Fry looks like he has got a new gig. He is going to be the UK host of Jeopardy, which is a US game show. If you've not heard of Jeopardy, I'd be very surprised if you've not heard of Jeopardy, because, I mean, it's kind of a cultural sort of phenomenon, Jeopardy, as a TV yes, show. Indeed. Jeopardy, the game show, they've done a couple of UK versions before. ITV have done it a couple of times. Channel 4 have tried it. Uh, Sky have tried it. But they're now coming back with Stephen Fry hosting it. It's going to be a 20-episode run initially. It's going to be coming to ITV in the autumn. I think basically what they're trying to do is steal Pointless's Thunder because it, it very much fits into that sort of game showy vein. And they are doing it as a daytime game show. That's the idea. So it's not going to be like a primetime ITV evening thing. They're doing it as a daytime game show like Pointless's. It oh, seems to be in that slot. Stephen Fry seems to be the best person to, to do that. He's a huge fan of the show, apparently. So, uh, yes, very much looking forward to uh, checking that out. Out because I watched Stephen Fry and anything he's wonderful. We have a couple of new premiere dates. One for SEAL Team, which is returning for its sixth season on Wednesday, the 8th of March. That's coming to Skymax and now. I'm glad that's coming back to Sky because we were wondering whether that was going to go to Paramount because that's where it airs in the US. But apparently Sky have done a deal, so it's sticking there. And we've got premiere date for Most Dangerous Game New York, which is coming Friday the 10th of March to the Roku channel. This is a sort of sequel to the Quibi series, which Roku then acquired when Quibi went under, which was really, really good. I really liked the original of that. I mean, I say series, they were chopped into like little 10 episode, 10 minute segments. So it's only a couple of hours long, the whole thing. It's basically a movie. The first season starred Liam Hemsworth this second season is starring David Cassandella who is in the Umbrella Academy and Christoph Waltz is back as well as Miles Seller the basic setup for it is a person who is desperate for money for whatever reason volunteers to have themselves hunted through a city and Christoph Waltz is the huntsman and for every hour the person survives they get a million dollars so that's basically the premise for it 
that's the premise for the first one. This is the premise for the second one. David is playing a character called Victor, who is a down-on-his-luck fighter who will do anything to protect his sister. When he learns she's in trouble, he springs into action and basically offers himself up to go and be the hunted person in Miles's organised hunt across New York. It's also got Anna Gunn in it from Breaking Bad, Kiara Bravo from Cherry, Martina Ortez-Lewis from Winona Earp, and Aaron Paul, who was in American Gods as well. So that's the rest of the cast. Really, really enjoyed the first version of that. I don't know what format this is going to take, whether it's going to be a movie or whether it's going to be in the same format of the original Cribby thing, which I rather suspect it won't be because that was a silly format. I don't think it's going to be a full series, so I rather suspect it's a movie, but they were somewhat unclear of how they were doing that. But yes, called Most Dangerous Game at New York, and that's coming to the Roku channel on Friday the 10th of March. It does sound interesting. I feel like I've seen other shows in a very similar vein, but yeah. First season of it was edited together into a movie which you can go and watch on Prime Video. Oh. So if you go and look up Most Dangerous Game on Prime Video, there is a movie version of it. It stars Liam Hemsworth, because there's a couple of things called Most Dangerous Game up on there. But there's a movie version of it that stars Liam Hemsworth, also stars Christoph Waltz. You can go and check that out and go and watch that. And that's basically the first one. And this will be the second one. And this will be in the Rocky channel. If you're not sure about the Rocky channel, if you've got Sky, you've got access to the Rocky channel because it is one of the apps on Sky Q. I think it's on the Now boxes as well. So you can get it there. But um, it's lots of other places as well. And it's free. It's completely free with advertising. So you can go and check that out. There was a little bit of news about a show called The Dead Boy Detectives. It was originally commissioned for HBO Max, moving over onto Netflix, basically because of the fact that it's a DC Comics thing, but doesn't fit in with the Gun Saffron DC Comics stuff. So they're trying to move anything that's on HBO Max that doesn't fit in with that onto other things. So Dead Boy Detectives will be moving from HBO Max onto Netflix. We had, I think, in one season of Doom Patrol, Dead Boy Detectives actually showed up in that. It's going to be a different cast for the series, I believe, but the premise is the same. It follows two dead British teenagers and their very much alive friend who are a detective agency together. So <laughs> that's basically the setup for it. But but it's from Steve Yockey, who worked on The Flight Attendant and Supernatural, Besh Schwartz, who worked on Arrow, and Jeremy Carver, who is the man behind Doom Patrol. And it's a Blanty production, so uh, Greg Blanty's exact producing it as well. But those are the people that are behind it. I don't know whether you're aware of the comic books or you've seen any of the other stuff about this. I'm aware of it because I've been seeing the shooting news coming up about it, shooting in Canada. Yes. At the moment. So that's why I'm aware of it and I know like the premise of it. I didn't actually realise it was a DC thing. Yeah. I assumed it was a novel. It is a DC comic. I'm not sure whether it's one that got sucked in from an imprint or something, but it may have been a Vertigo thing originally or something. But it is technically a DC comic and the characters did appear, I think, in the last season of Doom Patrol, but they're going to be a different cast in this version as well. That is moving to Netflix, which is good news for the UK because if it had been on HBO Max, it could have gone anywhere. And if it's on Netflix, it's global. So it means we are actually going to get that. On to the main bit of news. There wasn't much of individual bits of news around. So what I thought we'd do is take a quick look at what's out on the US pilot slate right now. So we'll get an idea of what shows might be coming up in the future. It's been interesting pilots this year because usually we've got like tons and tons of pilots and a load of them go by the wayside been very very light this year i think part of that is a mixture of cost cutting because all the networks are starting to tightening their belt a bit but there is also a certain amount of battle the devil you know going on as well with the networks sticking with shows that they know are working okay mm-hmm. uh, but maybe aren't quite as good as numbers as they maybe wanted but they're prepared to stick with them for a little bit longer than throw everything out and risk something entirely new yeah also there was like i think there still is a bit of a worry about another writer strike so the yes. last thing they want to do is get caught with the pants down we have a load of like potentially bigger event series coming up and no one to write them. Yes, I think there is a certain amount of that as well. And it's interesting because one of the ways, particularly Fox actually this year, one of the things they're doing is skipping the traditional pilot process for a lot of their stuff and actually getting the scripts written. So they're they're getting a bunch of scripts written. Yeah. So they're green lighting off the scripts and the story outline for the first season rather than actually shooting a pilot. 
And I think part of the reason for doing that is so they can have a bunch of things to shoot. Should the writers then go on strike, it means the scripts that they will have a set of, say, you know, if it's a 15, 16 episode season, they may have five scripts they can shoot their way through to get them over the hump of the writer's strike. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. I mean, I really hope we don't get another writer's strike because that really messed things up last time. But we will have to wait and see. But anyway, in terms of the pilots, interestingly, not hugely adventurous either. Uh, There's very little. In fact, I don't think there's any sci-fi on the main networks, partly because the one which hasn't got any pilots at all at the moment is the CW. And they were the people that used to do that sort of thing on a more regular basis. But the CW has morphed into this weird amalgamation of it's got that Gotham night show coming up. So you've got that and you've got Superman on there, but then you've got things like Walker and Mm -hmm. then randomly golf. (laughs) It's this strange mishmash of things from all over the place. We don't know what's going to happen with the CW in terms of whether they're actually going to pick up more things or whether they're going to leave it as it is. Well, it's pretty much an open secret that two shows can get renewed and I don't think they're picking up anything. So they have two shows that will be renewed from quiet lists, which includes most of the shows that are now like all american it's spin off and things like that as well as supernatural spin-off and gotham knights in theory yeah and shows like kung fu and that still haven't been renewed so very much a nail-biting time for fans of those various shows yes yeah. lots have got to go yeah so we don't really know anything about the cw stuff at the moment so the other networks so that's abc cbs fox nbc most of those are going down the route of medical procedural stuff, spin-offs, remakes, that sort of thing. The ABC pilots, one of the spin-offs which we've been hearing about for a while, it's called The Good Lawyer. It's a spin-off from The Good Doctor. It's from yeah. David Shaw and Liz Friedman, who are the people that are behind The Good Doctor. It's got Kennedy McMahon in there as the lead role. Felicity Huffman is in there as well. Bethlehem Million as well. It's a legal drama spin-off from The Good Doctor. It's airing as a backdoor pilot in whatever the current season of The Good Doctor is, centres on Jodie DeGroote, played by McMahon, a promisingly young lawyer who is brilliant, funny and self-aware but has an obsessive-compulsive disorder. So that's the sort of route they're going rather than going with another autistic savant. That's the setup for that one. I've kind of dropped off The Good Doctor. I don't know whether that was one you ever watched, but... I watched the first season and then I sort of dropped out. I've made it a lot further than that. I mean, I dropped out last season, I think. I just, I don't know, too many things and I didn't get back to it. Good Lawyer is airing as a backdoor pilot, which means one of the episodes of The Good Doctor will be an episode called The Good Lawyer and then if that works that's basically the pilot episode and they'll go on and shoot a series from that. There is a thing called The Hurt Unit which as you might expect is a medical drama It's got Ben McKenzie, who you will know from Gotham in the lead role. It's also got Melissa George in there as well from uh, Home and Away she was on originally. And then Mosquito Coast is the thing she's done most recently. Michelle Ortez in it and Ashley Romans as well are, are the main cast. Mark Webb is directing the pilot. It's from John Glenn, who is the SEAL Team showrunner and... Matt Lopez, who's done things like Sorcerer's Apprentice and Race to Witch Mountain. But the story follows a highly skilled team of trauma surgeons and nurses who race into the field to treat the patients who won't make it to the hospital in time. When the sick and the injured can't get to the ER, the hurt team or hospital urgent response team bring the ER to them. So it's a medical drama, but, you know, lots of running about. I mean, it sounds like a reasonable setup for a medical drama, I guess. Depends whether you like those sort of procedural medical things. I don't know whether you... Yeah, I haven't watched anything sort of medical thing in a while. I've sort of moved away from that now. New Amsterdam was the one that I stuck with right the way through. I really, really enjoyed that. So it depends what the writing's like on this. I like Ben McKenzie. I like Melissa George. Don't really know the other cast. I like Seal Team, you know, John Glennie's behind it. So if it's got maybe a bit of humour in there as well, maybe, but I have a feeling it's probably going down a slightly more serious route, but we'll have to wait and see. There is a show called Judgment, which comes from Joey Falco, who wrote on Charmed and Sleepy Hollow. No cast for this yet. Project plays out over two timelines. 15 years from now, a woman being vetted for a Supreme Court seat recounts her experiences at a prominent DC law firm in 2023, where the only thing more controversial than cases was her messy love life caught between two feuding brothers. 
Now with the Supreme Court seat on the line, all of her darkest secrets are at risk of coming out, threatening her nomination, her reputation and her marriage. So yes, it's set in the future, but calling back to the present day as mm. the setup for that. I'm not massively sort of... No. That feels to me like it's not something which has Is more legs. for this world? Yeah. Doesn't feel to me like it's got more legs than one season either. No. That premise, so. that premise sort of sounds like, where do you go with it as, as an interesting sort of starting point as a, as a one-off season maybe that sounds like a mid that? that sounds like a mid-season yeah called judgment that one there is one called public defenders which is a comedy it's from eddie quintana who wrote acapulco which is the apple series mcgee is one of the uh, exact producers on it it's a single camera comedy up to their ear holes in student loan debt for inexperienced public defenders work tirelessly to keep their clients out of jail along the way they have to rely on each other to navigate their first defendants the absurd court system and the copy machine that always jams sounds like it could be quite fun that i guess don't get that many law comedies do you they tend to be far more serious so that could be quite Mm, an interesting one and there is a currently untitled project from Drew Goddard. Drew Goddard is the person that was behind the Daredevil series. He also wrote the script for The Martian, worked on Buffy and Angel. Rob Thomas is the showrunner who... Rob Thomas was the showrunner on... iZombie. Yeah, and iZombie as well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And the cast is uh, Caitlin Olsen, Daniel Sanjata from Graceland, Javanka Leslie from Batwoman, Dennis Akides from Flight Attendant as well, uh, Caitlin Olsen. Always Sunny is probably the thing she's best known for. This is a drama. It's a uh, single mum with three kids and an exceptional mind helps solve unsolvable crimes when she rearranges some evidence during her shift as a cleaner at the police department. When they discover she has a knack for putting things in order because of her high intellectual potential, she's brought on as a consultant to work with a by-the-books detective, and together they form an unusual and unstoppable team based on a popular French series called HPI. Yeah, I mean, sure, fine. I, I don't think it's particularly original. The thing that I think this has going for it is... Well, got... it says right there, it's, a, it's a based on the pop offensive. Well, well, yeah, I know, but even even the premise itself, I know it's it's not original because it's based but on... Yeah, a, it is, it, yeah. It, getting it, someone, getting a non-detective to do detective things isn't... Yeah, exactly. So, I mean... Probably done best with Instinct. Shame they cancelled that. I should have kept that going. Yeah, I mean, Instinct was a great show and it is in very much that sort of same way The thing that this does has going for it is writing from Drew Goddard, who is a great writer. And if Rob Thomas is showrunning for it, it's probably going to be very much in the dramedy kind of area, I would have thought, because that's the sort of thing he does quite well. iZombie was a sort of detective dramery thing as as well, or that dramedy kind of area. So I think there is potential there, less because of the premise and more because of the people behind it. That's not going to title at the moment. We don't know what that's going to be called, but um, French series was called HPI. That's all the stuff for ABC. The other thing is if they're all ABC shows, the chances are that we will get them because we'll get them on Disney Plus as well. Over on CBS, there is a show from uh, Robert King and Michelle King, who are the people behind the Good Wife fight and evil. It's got uh, Carrie Preston from The Good Wife and The Good Fight. It is a Good Wife spin-off called Elspeth, who uh, is one of the characters from The Good Wife, The Good Fight. After a successful career in Chicago, Elspeth Tiscone, an astute but unconventional attorney, utilizes her single point of view to make unique observations and and corner brilliant criminals along the NYPD. It's another spin-off. It's got a brand behind it. If you like The Good Wife and you like The Good Fight, chances are this is going to be one for you. I, I think they've got to do something quite wrong with this for it not to get picked up, I would have thought. Yeah, I think it should be well. I think, yeah, The Good Wife, Good Fight fans are pretty dogged and they tend to stick with all those things. So I think it has a lot of a ready-made audience right there willing to watch. Well, yeah, exactly. There is an audience there already. It seems like a bit of a no-brainer, that one. I mean, I didn't watch either of those shows, so assuming the character is one that is one that people want to follow, then sure. So uh, there is a comedy called Jumpstart, which is based on a popular comic strip that debuted in 1989. Set in Philadelphia, it's a multi-camera comedy. Follows Joe, a cop, his wife, Macy, a nurse, and Joe's partner, Crunchy. Joe and Macy are young, hip, urban parents with old school values who are willing to sacrifice their kids and have some laughs doing it. I mean, it really, really doesn't... I mean, I know it's based on a, some sort of comic strip, but I, I mean, that sounds like every other sitcom out there. Yeah. There is a remake of Matlock with Kathy Bates 
who uh, most recently seen an American horror story, but, you know, after achieving success in her younger years, the brilliant Madeline Matlock rejoins the workforce at a prestigious law firm where she uses her unassuming demeanor and wily tactics to win cases and expose corruption from within, inspired by the classic television series of the same name. I can sort of see this working. I think Kathy Bates could be great at this. It's a pretty loose inspiration. Well, yeah, I mean, it is. The writer, she was the creator of the new Charmed series. That's the person behind it. She also did Jane the Virgin. So I would guess there's some sort of dramedy stuff going on there maybe as well. But Jenny Snyder Ehrman is the person that's behind that. And I mean, Kathy Bates is great. So I, I can sort of see that working. There is one that they have actually ordered to series. Stars Justin Hartley, who of course people will know from This Is Us and uh, Smallville is the other thing as well. It revolves around a survivalist called Coulter Shaw who roams the country as a reward seeker and uses his tracking skills to solve mysteries as he contends with his own fractured family. Sounds a bit like Reacher, to be honest, but yeah. I, I mean, need so much more explanation of what any of that means. For instance, like the survivalist thing, do they mean like a Doomsday-Pepper-style survivalist? Or do they mean like a Bear Grylls-style survivalist? I'm guessing they mean a Bear Grylls-style survivalist. There's elements of sort of a MacGyver-y sort of thing going oh. on, I suspect, of that sort of being able to make things out of stuff around them. So I think there's probably certain amount of that a certain amount of the sort of reacher wanderer wanders into town gets involved in a case and then wanders off somewhere else so i think there's that sort of stuff going on the writer is a guy called ben h winters who doesn't seem to have done a huge amount of other things but i mean justin's great could be a solid lead he's an ep on it as well but it's called the never game and we'll see whether that turns up here somewhere over on fox they have one pilot at the moment which has been ordered straight to series so this one is coming who knows where it'll land over here it's another animated series which fox have an awful lot of it's a show about men trying to find purpose in a world where they're no longer needed it follows brother mark and hand hoagies suddenly find themselves with no job when glanton town hot dog factory switches over to automation lucky for them the town started a radical universal basic income pilot program that gives all residents of glanton and town $3,000 a month no strings attached now Mark Hank and the rest of their local buddies are once again kids in the summertime overflowing with the perilous combos of free time and stupid ideas universal basic guys it's called it's coming ordered for 2024 we generally get quite a lot of those Fox animated series either on E4 Channel 4 or if they're Disney produced get them on Disney usually although this one I don't think it is but that one is coming over on NBC, there is a drama called Found, which has been ordered for series. This is from Balanti. It's written by Encheki Okoro Carroll, who worked on All American and The Resident. As you might expect by the fact that it's called Found, it's uh, about missing people. So uh, on, in any given year, more than 600,000 people are reported missing in the US. More than half of that number of people are people of colour that the country seems to forget about. A public relations specialist who once was herself one of those forgotten ones and her crisis management team now make sure that there is always somebody looking out for the forgotten missing people. But unbeknownst to anyone, this everyday hero is hiding a chilling secret of her own. That's the setup for it. Shinola Hampton from Shameless is the lead cast with Mark Paul Goslier in there as well. Brett Dalton from Chicago Fire Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well as a few other people. So uh, those are the sort of main name cast so far. Again, it's another sort of procedurally sort of thing, but it does seem like it could have an interesting little twister, and that is ordered to series. So. I feel like it's going to be heavy on the drama, though, with the whole she's holding a chilling secret of her own thing. Yeah, it depends what that sort of is and whether they've got somewhere to go with it after the first season, because that's always the problem with that sort of stuff. Mind you, I mean, something like Suits was one of those shows where you kind of thought, well, where do you go after the first season? Because they're hiding the fact that, you know, the guy isn't actually qualified to do the job that they've hired him to do and they managed it for what eight seasons or something so you know well i think that's debatable whether they managed it for that long <laughs> maybe they just kind of forgot about it and it just got away with it after that but yeah there is another one called the irrational which has been ordered to series this is uh, jesse l martin from the flash this is his new gig it's a world-renowned professor of behavioral science lends his expertise to an array of high-stakes cases involving governments law enforcement and corporations with his unique and unexpected approach to understanding human behavior it's based on a book called predictably irrational doesn't this just sound like lie to me well yeah a bit like lie to me because of 
it's about reading human expressions and things like that. Yeah. But it's also, as I say, just like the one that we saw before based on HPI. It's yes. just like a monk or something like that. There's another quirky person yeah, it's, working it's, with the police. Sort of, yeah, I mean, it isn't just the police in this case. That's the reason I thought Lie to Me is because Lie to Me wasn't exclusively a police thing. It was also yeah. corporations and government agencies and that sort of stuff. So behavioural science person yeah. that... And I think in uh, this one, particularly one of the co-stars is the FBI agent. So, sort of. Right. So, I think it's very much that. But yeah, I mean, I think I'll give it a watch just because it's Jesse L. Martin. Yeah. So if it, well, if it, if it gets picked up, definitely worth checking out just for that, really. Yeah, Akira Leanne Mittman is the writer behind it, and she's worked on wonderfully bonkers series like La Brea and Timeless, and she also worked on Elementary as well. So I think that would be an interesting one to give a shot to, but that's called The Irrational, and that has been ordered to series. So those are two which are definitely coming. They have got a bunch of other things as well. There's uh, Murder by the Book, which is from Jenna Bands, who is the Good Girl showrunner, and Bill Kreps, who is the EP on Good Girls. It's got uh, Renetta in the lead role, who is one of the cast of Good Girls, so it's a very much the Good Girls team behind it. A big city Insta-famous book reviewer takes a page from murder mystery books that she reviews and becomes an unlikely detective to uncover the shocking truths about an eccentric seaside town. Which sounds a little bit like Murders in the Building set up. I mean, it's a drama rather than a comedy, but Murders in the Building, that's very much this sort of thing. There's an Apple show, which is a podcaster that basically does that as well. Hmm. It's not exactly leaping out of being kind of particularly original, that one. No, they're not taking a great deal of chances. No, no, they really aren't. There is one called Non-Evil Twin, which is from Amber Ruffin, who is writing and starring in it, and Kenny Smith Jr. is also a writer who is a huge part of the Blackish franchise. The multi-camera comedy, a woman is forced to step into her sister's role as the leader of a Fortune 500 company, despite knowing little about the business and even less about the way her sister had been running the corporation. So I kind of like the setup for this, the idea that it's a sort of the non-evil twin stepping into the role and being kind of all nice compared to the person that has disappeared, who was a sort of ruthless business person. I can see there is a comedy there, and that is potentially something we haven't seen before. There's that. Uh, I don't really know Amber Ruff in particular. I know she's quite a big American star and had her own show and stuff, but I don't know her particularly. There is St. Dennis Medical, which is another comedy. This is from Justine Spitzer and Eric Leggin, who were the Superstore guys. It's a mockumentary about an underfunded, understaffed Oregon hospital where dedicated doctors and nurses try to their best to treat patients while maintaining their own sanity. Mockumentary set in a hospital from the guys that made Superstore. Sounds reasonably solid, I would have said, in terms of what it could be. I mean, it's one of those things that until you actually see it, it's going to be very difficult to judge that one. But mm. as a setup, I think, and for the people behind it, I think that's got possibilities. There is a project from Mike O'Malley, which yet to have a title, but uh, Mike O'Malley, he's the EP showrunner on Heels. Uh, he's also an actor as well. He popped up in Snowpiercer. The cast is quite interesting. It's John Cryer from Two and a Half Men and Supergirl, Abigail Spencer from Timeless, Donald Faison from Scrubs, Finn Sweeney, from Impeachment American Crime Story and uh, there is a newcomer in there as well but centres on a former married couple played by Cryer and Spencer called Jim and Julia after an amicable divorce the exes decide to continue to raise their kids at the family home while taking turns on who gets to stay with them navigating the waters of divorce and child sharing gets more complicated for Jim when the owner of his favourite sports team Basin enters the picture and win Julia's heart so it's a sort of comedy love triangle thing I mean, the cast is good. John Cryer does comedy well. I think so does Don Faze and don't know about Abigail Spencer. But yeah, I mean, it sounds a bit like a standard sort of sitcom setup, that one as well. And the last one we've got is Wolf, which is a drama. It's inspired by Oliver Sacks' extraordinary life and work. The drama follows a revolutionary larger-than-life neurologist and his team of interns as they explore the last great frontier, the human mind, whilst also grappling with their own relationships and mental health. It's from Michael Grassi, who is a writer and EP on Riverdale. He also worked on uh, Pretty Little Liars' original Sin. Ooh. Andy Circus is apparently an EP on that, so I don't know if it's his company that having something to do with it, maybe, but 
Any sort of interest in any of those? Yeah, probably the irrational. That's, yeah. that's really about it here. I'm not a big comedy fan, especially network comedies. I'm sort of with you on that, and it's not massively inspiring most of the comedies. I, I like the sound of non-evil twin. I think that has possibly something to it. And I think irrational sounds quite good, even if, like I say, it does sound rather like Lie to Me, but I loved Lie to Me. I, I thought that show was absolutely fabulous. Yeah. So and that I like Jesse L- show. Yeah, I like Jesse L. Martin. So if it's sort of a kind of shadow of that, then if it's still good enough, I will watch it. And I like all the shows that the writer has done before. I mean, La Brea is wonderfully silly, but I do enjoy that. Timeless is great. I loved Elementary. But yes, so those are some pilots that, as I say, some of those has already been ordered to series, like, as mentioned, the Irrational Order to series, Found as being ordered to series, Universal Basic Guys ordered to series, and the Never Game, which was the Justin Hartley one, that's ordered to series as well. Those are ones that are definitely coming out of that list. The rest may or may not show up. It will depend on pilots and what network decides. We are steadily hurtling towards May, scarily, which is when all of this stuff gets finalised and they decide what's coming and what isn't. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. That's all the news we've got for this week. Just some times for some highlights from next week on TV. So highlights for next week on TV, we have Django dropping, which is the high concept reimagining of the classic Western that's coming on the 1st of March at 9pm to Sky Atlantic. So you can check that out. Mandalorian and his little green friend returns on the 1st of March as well. That's for season three. Also on the 1st of March, Abbott Elementary returns. That's for season two. And that's on Disney Plus as well. And uh, over on Apple on the 3rd of March, we have the problem with Jon Stewart returning for the second half of the second season. So that's his talk show back. Tales of the Walking Dead finally crops up on AMC Global. That's landing. That's on the 6th of March for the six people that have access to AMC Global. You'll be able to go and enjoy that over there. And Blue Bloods returns for its 13th season. That is on the 6th of March at 9pm on Sky Witness. So that is everything coming next week on TV. If people want to find you in the meantime, where can they go and find you? They can head over to hollywoodnorthnews.net where we just did a review of Drinkwater, which you can view yeah. if you have Prime Video in Canada. And that's a coming-of-age story that starts at McCormack, known for travellers, Louisa Chitroko, which I've mentioned before, of The Order. But yeah, it's a wonderful film. It's a lot of fun, and I would definitely recommend it. Cool. So go and check Daryl's stuff out over on HollywoodNorthNews.net for all those TV series and film reviews and stuff that are related to Canada. You can go and check out those all over there. For other people involved in the show, you can find Matt over on EntertainmentTalk.org, who I'm sure will be very, very happy this week because of the way Man United are performing, so his Man U podcast will be full of joyous support, I'm sure, for that. Plus, of course, we are doing the Last of Us podcast over there, so you can go and check that out and uh, he's got lots of other things going on as well so lots of podcast stuff at entertainmenttalk.org and Bex you can find at twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites that's B-Y-T-E-S she's streaming every week she's got lots of stuff you can go and check her schedule over there to see what day she's up and on uh, lots of fun stuff and silliness going on over on there for us you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at Geekdown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geekdown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geekdown, and on Instagram at geekdown UK. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.